Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Big names are headlining this weekend's UFC 262 card. From Nate Diaz to Michael Chandler, there will be no shortage of action. And DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, has a heavyweight offer for this weekend's fight on 100 to 1 odds. One fighter will be walking away with the big gold belt. Will you be walking away with the cash? Hmm? Just pick a main event fighter you think will win, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100 to 1 odds on that fighter. That's right, boys and girls. Bet $1 on select fighters, and if they win, you get $100. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if MMA's not for you. It's not for everyone. It's okay. DraftKings Sportsbook offers odds on promotions on basketball, hockey, baseball, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on a main card fighter to win. Place your bet with and watch the fists fly this weekend. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 on select main card fighters for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, and PA only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Alrighty. Welcome, everyone, to a show within a podcast network. A show within a show, in a way. This is a little something on the Hockey Podcast Network we call Game Over where we say goodbye to each and every team as we go about into the next step or the next phase of the hockey season. Now, I know, I know, boys and girls, this is going to be a, uh, a lot to go through because I've got 31 teams on my plate, and that's going to be a lot. But dang gummit, we are going to make this work, ladies and gentlemen. And since we are going to go through and get game overs for everyone... Every single team is going to get one, regardless of when their season ends. But if we are going to start, we're going to start with the best of the worst. This is the team that was voted, the first voted off of American Idol. They are the first ones off the island, or should I say in American Idol reasons. These were the ones who were told by the producers, oh, you're great, you're great. You're great. My God, they suck. You're great. You're great. Simon will love you. And just goes out there and gets absolutely slaughtered. These guys, these guys do a podcast for a team that was founded in 1970. They have two Stanley Cup finals to their name and one we will never, ever speak of again. They hail from Western New York. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, 
Brendan and Taylor of Straight Up Sabres joining me today. Lads, welcome aboard. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us on. All righty. Thank, thank you for coming on and talking to this hack with a microphone. So so welcome welcome to Game Over. This is a exit survey podcast as we will talk about, you know, how everything went went wrong. And that's where we're going to start with you guys. What happened? What happened to the Sabres this year? Man, how much time do you have? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I know how long we got. Yeah. Uh, so I would say I was thinking about it, and I think it comes down to like a few major things on top of the fact that the obvious thing, they're not very good. But why did, Why were they so much worse than, than we expected and, what you know, probably realistically worse than they should have been and so much worse than last year? And I think it really comes down to just simply Eichel uh, being out half the season and playing injured the other half of the season. Basically, was never didn't play a healthy game this year. Uh, coaching, Ralph Kruger was uh, not a very good coach, didn't use his personnel well, didn't seem to be very uh, well-respected. Goaltending, Linus Allmark's okay. He also played fewer than half the games this year because of injury, and the rest of the goaltending was horrific. And then early in the season, they had a lot of bad puck luck, shooting percentage-wise, particularly Taylor Hall and Jeff Skinner. And in a 56-game season, that's tough to get over. And when you combine all that with a team that probably would have topped out, the very best-case scenario is maybe a fourth-place team, that, you know, it leads to them having as many wins as the Bills had this year. Oh, wow. <laughs> well said, Taylor. Yeah, I mean, there's not really much more to add on to beyond that. I think a lot of it just comes down to how bad of a coach Ralph Kruger was and just how his idea for how an NHL team should operate and how he thought that a team could find success was just, like, out of touch with reality. Now, as Taylor had said, it's not like, you know, they were going to be – a Stanley Cup contender, or even really a playoff contender for that matter. I don't think anybody could have really reasonably talked themselves into thinking that was the case. But the fact of the matter is, is that they've played drastically better since Don Granado has taken over as head coach. And a lot of the younger players who at one time, honestly, as recent as like earlier in the season and really coming into the season, people thought were maybe going to be a lost cause, like Casey Middlestaff, for example, have now pretty much rejuvenated their stock and, and their value to the team. So I think just having Kruger, I mean, really the past year and a half did a lot of damage. Another name to throw out there, obviously, is Rasmus Dahlin, too, with his struggles that he had earlier in the season but thankfully he really turned it around the second half of the way once Don Granado took the reins off of him a bit um but I think it just comes back to that and it's going to be really the biggest question of the offseason is going to be who is the coach next season is it going to be Don Granado are they going to go for an outside hire so that's that's really the main thing that should be on the, the minds of Sabres fans right now along with the Sam Reinhardt extension well, let me just bring up uh, coaching for a second, and it, we're going to turn this on to a Jack Eichel for a second. Um, if you guys can refresh my memory, what what year was Eichel drafted? What was his rookie year? 15? 14, 15? Yes. Mm-hmm. 15, 16. And, and I looked this up before we came on. This is almost his sixth head coach since he came into the league. You know, like, how can you... Like, how can you properly develop when you're constantly bringing in coaches and new schemes? That's a great question. There's a, there's actually guys, I think, uh, Zemgus Gergensen and Rasmus Ristolainen, if they have another coach who'd be like their eighth or ninth coach, if they hire someone aside from Granado, particularly Gergensen's, because he was there for Lindy Ruff as well. It's, it's not good, obviously. I mean, Eichel seems to have 
done fine in spite of that. But for the rest of the team, for guys that are more of a question mark in terms of development, like Casey Middlestad, obviously Dylan Cousins as a young guy that they're looking at, like it's not good to just keep having different coaches like every year. I mean, I can't imagine how that would that would work out well for them. I think the other thing that goes along with that, though, is while I completely agree with that, I'm glad that they cut ties with Rob Kruger when they did. Now, I know they were in the midst of an eventual 18-game losing streak, and that obviously made it a lot easier for them to do that. But there was – everybody knew pretty much last season that he didn't have what it, like it, what the Sabres needed. He was not going to be a successful head coach just with his outlook on the game and how, do you, how he utilizes his players. So – if anything, it's just nice that we know now that going into this offseason, there's just going to be a philosophical change coming forward for this team. And whether that continues to be with Don Granato, who has that right state of mind, then that's one thing. But I think it's undeniable now that they know that they need to. And I guess my point I was going to get back to, though, is that you don't need continuity for the sake of continuity. Like, it was good that they cut ties with Ralph Kruger because you don't just need to keep a guy around just because you think, oh, well, these, these guys have had so many different coaches. If you of know course. somebody's not working, then you need to just cut ties with them, and I'm glad yeah. that they did that. Uh, agreed. It's just something, you know, when a team you know, like Buffalo, who hasn't made the playoffs for the better part of a decade, you just you start to notice, notice little things like that, and... You know, there's a lot of people who want, especially there in Buffalo, who really want to see Eichel succeed. I guess it, for someone, a, a hack like myself, for me, I think like it's a little hard to do that when you're constantly swapping out head coaches. But that, as an outsider, that's my opinion. You guys have are more close to it than I am. So let, let's move on. We are going to go on to something I like to call the Call of Cthulhu, trademark pending. This is where... This is where I'm going to ask every team, and hopefully I get enough of these out before this actually happens. Who do you guys leave out on the uh, out in front of the garage for when Seattle comes a calling? Jeff Skitter. <laughs> That'll be okay. one. Um, I'm actually not sure what his situation is with no move clause, no trade, so I'm not 100% sure on that. He has one, but he could waive it if he wanted to. But I think regardless of that, it, I'd why would Seattle take on that much exactly. salary? Yeah, they. I don't think they would. That's, that much term. That's, too. that's wishful thinking. I actually think it's gotten more interesting recently just because there are a lot of forwards who aren't great or even very good but are good, competent players that have uh, shown themselves, especially young guys like Rasmus Asplund would be one. Uh, Casey Middlestad's obviously gotten better in the second half of the year. Andrich Bjork has showed a lot. So I think it's going to be interesting to see, like – if they're able to protect all those guys, if they have to leave one of them up open, because I think that'd be, if I'm Seattle, that's a guy I want, a young guy that doesn't cost too much money, who's pretty good, you know, is available, which I think was what Vegas got more or less to do with, with William Carrier, except that I think these guys might even be a little bit better than Carrier. Yeah. I don't, goaltending wise, they're not taking any of our goalies. Uh, but I think that, and I I would I would also lean um, Ristolainen, but we will see on okay. that. I, I think. They should trade him before. They should. Yeah, there might be a deal to make. Who knows? I, I don't know. I was not expecting uh, uh, Rastalainen to be, uh, and again, I know I botched that. I wasn't expecting him, his name to come up. Uh, Jeff Skinner, I could definitely see oh, yeah. see it out there because, you know, I hate to use this line, and I'm sure you've heard this in the Buffalo media all season. He's too talented to be on the fourth line. But he's extremely streaky, and I could hear all the Hurricanes fans listening to this going, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep. Um, 
do, do you think this could be like with Vegas, like where they take one of you guys and then try to flip him for draft picks possibly? Like maybe they'll take on like, you know, like a, a fourth line nobody and then just flip him for a pick? Possibly. I mean – I think you can even also see this scenario that the Sabres ran into with uh, with Vegas, where I believe they traded a pick to Vegas so that they wouldn't take Linus Allmark. Yes, um, yeah. So, I mean, even you could see that, because to me, whoever becomes available, like if it is Erasmus Asplund or like Tage Thompson, I don't necessarily know what kind of value that's going to net you back in return. So it's like you could have a cheap, cost-effective option. Or, I mean, what would Rasmus, I mean, Taylor, do you even have any idea what he would not in a trade like yeah, I mean, I'm not bottom, he's a bottom yeah. line guy like he's, he's yeah. a fourth liner maybe a third liner if needed um and don't get me wrong i mean he's solid in like a two-way guy but it's I, I don't think that you would get the value in return for him for like trying to flip him for a draft pick as compared to what he could do for you in a fourth line role yeah i agree with that i i think that's probably who they'll be targeting but we'll see i actually i haven't you know gamed it out and seen the spots the Sabres have and who they're going to have to choose between uh, in terms of protecting guys. But I have seen some scuttlebutt that Asplund might be harder to protect than, uh, like, obviously they'll be protecting Cousins, uh, you know, Eichel, all, all the obvious guys. But, yeah, I think, yeah, I guess, I, guess, I suppose we'll see. You never know what another yeah. GM's thinking. Yeah, and that that's kind of the, the game that's going to be played going forward is, you know, who do you protect – who do you leave out or what big name do you leave out there for someone like a Seattle to take? And that'll be the fun of it as we head toward late June, I believe, is when the expansion draft is. But speaking of draft, we are going to take take a look at, you know, what do you think the Sabres should look at when we are looking at this year's draft? Like, one thing I'll admit Forward. by it. Uh, okay, sold. Sold sold to the rich Buffalo man in the back. Sold. But um but one thing I've learned in in following the hockey podcast network and then coming on here is that you guys, especially the top draft picks, the 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 time and energy you guys devote to these draft picks are unbelievable. And um the amount of knowledge you guys give out is really great. So um um, is there a guy? Is there a top guy in the draft this year, or is it just pretty much a, a pick 'em? I'm not hearing like a real top prospect guy or anything, but I could yeah. be wrong. I was, so the thing with this year's draft is that it's definitely weaker uh, than many of the past year's drafts, especially in terms of being how top heavy it is. Like a uh, perfect example. I mean, looking at last year's draft, like you know, the guys at the top of this draft, like for defensemen, such as like Luke Hughes, Owen Power, um, they aren't even at the level of like a Jamie Drysdale, in my opinion, who went fifth overall to Anaheim or sixth overall, excuse me, to Anaheim last year. Um, to me, at the top of the draft, what I at least think there's two guys. One is Matthew Berniers, who played for Michigan last year and was their top line center. Uh, he's projected to be like a top three pick for sure. Um, it just depends on, I guess, what, you know, whoever has the first overall pick is going to end up being able to, what their GM, I guess, is valuing and looking for out of that pick, because there are a lot of defensemen near the top, like I said, Power and Hughes, but also, if not Berniers, though, um, William Eklund, who is a Swedish winger, 
Um, really talented, seems like a really solid, like scoring winger who could fit in nicely for the Sabres because right now, you know, you can never have too much center to help. And Berniers, I believe, is a center, but you can always pivot him to the wing just to like acclimate him more into the NHL so he has less defensive responsibility. But uh, the Sabres are pretty good at a good spot with center right now with Eichel, Reinhardt, and Cousins down the middle. And the, and and before we, we we jump to your partner over here, I was going to ask: Is he a true center or is he center slash wing slash right wing? Who's that? Uh, the guy you were you were just uh, talking about. I want to say Hughes, but you were saying about him being a true center. Oh, no. oh Berniers, you mean? Yes. Uh, yes. Bern- yeah, he's. A, I think he he might be a center and a winger. I think he played center though for Michigan. Um, but again, it's the same thing with Dylan Cousins. Like this year, yeah, like he's a true center, and he ended up by the end of the year playing center. But at the start of the season, the first half of the year, he was playing on the wing. And I think that Berniers is probably maybe he could play in the NHL next year. But with Cousins' case, I think that it was easier for him to adapt to being a center due to his size and speed. Whereas I think Berniers is more of like a skill guy. So if you put him on the wing, that just takes some of that defensive responsibility off of him. Same goes for the logic for taking Eklund too, considering he's a winger. But I think it's it's forward, no doubt. I don't want to take a risk if you have the if we end up having the first overall pick, I would rather take a forward and bank on that rather than a, than a defenseman panning out because they take longer to pan out anyways. Yeah. So I'm a. Uh... I am not nearly as much of a prospect guy as Brendan, and I haven't really looked into this at all. But in general, I agree with the forward thing, especially if they reasonably could have the first overall pick uh, again, which would be cool. But I think looking – we were just actually talking about this on a a recent podcast in the last month or so, that if you look at the top of the draft, very few guys fail. Very few guys fail to even be uh, great players. Almost Almost all the top two, top three picks are great players. If you look at the ones that aren't, way higher percentage of them are defensemen and they usually end up being okay but we're dealing with a guy now that we're not sure is going to be a, you know that we picked first overall if we're not sure if he's just going to be pretty good or great or something like that it's not the kind of thing you have to worry about usually with forwards which is what i would prefer is someone who comes in and is pretty good right away so you're thinking more along the lines of a uh, plug and play forward as someone that, that, that you draft and you're just going to um, insert into the Sabres lineup to start instead of putting them in Rochester for a few years? I think if you're taking a forward first overall, they should be ready to step into the NHL. Even though this is a weaker draft this year, I think Eklund or Veneers, either one of them would be able to. Um, would it hurt to have them get a little bit more seasoning? I mean, no, I don't necessarily think so, but... Just It depends on, I guess, where the roster falls to next year. There's going to be a lot of open spots. They finished last this year, and Kevin Adams, I'm sure, now that we are in the midst of a 10-year playoff drought, isn't just going to you know, sit on his heels and just allow them to bring back the exact same team as they did this year because they've, they've tried that and it doesn't work. They need to make some sweeping changes here and uh, and make some major moves. And so hopefully it comes down to it where you know if they do end up first overall, somebody will just be able to earn their spot on the team. But worst case scenario, they have the roster filled out enough that it's not like a necessity for them to play right away if that's the case that they might not be ready. One more draft question before we we move on. Let's say the Sabres don't get the first overall. Let's say they get like third or fourth. Could you see a scenario where the Sabres trade out of the top five just to get more more draft picks? 
So they can't. They, I'm pretty sure with the most recently updated draft rules for uh-huh. this year for the lottery, they could only, the lowest they could finish is third. So okay. they're they're gonna have a top three pick no matter what. Okay. I mean, I think Taylor and I, Taylor, you could take this more, but I think we both agree that like if it if they don't pick first overall, if they have like the third overall pick, but they get the like the option to pick up like an RFA who somebody can't afford who's like really good or something like that, I would probably jump at that. Yeah, yeah, I guess it just it depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. I think in a draft like this that people don't think is very good, if you have the third pick, I'd be a lot more willing to trade that than one or two. Mm-hmm. But obviously the, 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 the right situation has to pop up to for that to make sense. Yeah, and um, and and thank you for filling me in on on the new draft rules and all that. They're just it's 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 ever changing, especially yeah, with especially sure. with 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 what happened last year and all the just the way the hockey world's gone, gone. So we're gonna move into as looking into next season, next October. Um, so um, I'll ask this of certain other arenas, and I know I I've seen this where out where you guys live. The Sabres are looking at to have 100% capacity next year. They are looking into it. And from what I hear, it's basically um, you're either vaccinated or you don't get in. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's just what I'm hearing out there in Erie County, if I'm if that's the correct county. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it, it does. Yeah, it seems like that's going to be the case. I think you might have the option of getting a test. Yeah, well. like a ra- I know, yeah, like a rapid PCR test. I know that's being done out in uh, Syracuse with the Mets. Right. Yeah, I think that'll be that might be an option. But yeah, I think they're it's more clearly defined for the the Bills so far. Obviously, okay. they're coming back first. But I mean, I think the NHL season is supposed to start like at the normal time next year. So yeah, I yeah. I suppose they'll have you know a more solid plan by then. Yeah. Yeah, it's just just a just a little thing just to throw out there because unfortunately this is the state of the world that we live in live in right now. Oh, yeah. So so enough about that uh, boring virus talk. There's plenty of other podcasts out there that'll break this down much much more boring than more boring out there. So we're gonna take a look at um, an outlook to next uh, October. So to any Sabres fan that's listening to this. At least as of right now, at time of recording, checks notes of May eighth. What? Give me a reason this team should, these fans should be optimistic for next season, assuming there's no realignment and you guys are staying in this East Division. Let's just go with that right now. Taylor, you want to go first? Um, yeah. Well, I think they are going to go back to the the other division. Uh, the Atlantic next year, but okay. even then, that's that's still a tough division. So it's kind of the same thing. You know, you know, you're not avoiding any tough games there. So yeah, the reason to be optimistic, I think, are the way the teams looked after Granado got hired. They look a lot more competent. Uh, and the reason is, which is another layer to optimism, is that a lot of the guys are young. Like I mentioned before, like Asplund looking better, Middlestat, Dylan Cousins has looked pretty good all year, and he's he's got a well-rounded game for a guy his age. Uh, and then the way they've looked without Eichel, I mean, they haven't had Eichel this whole stretch. A lot of the stretch they have, they've had kind of random guys in that, not completely random, but like Dustin Tokarski hadn't won an NHL game since 2016. Tokarski. Michael Hauser had only played <laughs> like a yeah, few the, the... AHL games over the past few years, and they're winning games with those kind of guys in that. So I think if you look at the way the team's playing right now and add Eichel, a healthy Eichel, and decent goaltending – you could see, you know, the roots of a pretty good team. Now, 
will that actually happen? Will Will Dalian continue to get better? Will he finally start a season well? Will Middlestat finally start a season well? That's tough. That's tougher to say. It's, it's obviously not easy to be optimistic, but it's not completely baseless like it would have been in, say, like 2018 when they finished last. Yeah, I'll just say, too, I think that Sam Reinhardt's emergence at center now that he was pretty much forced into due to injuries on this team has been a revelation for them. It's something that Sabres fans have been calling for for years, and they would just would constantly resist like moving him off of Eichel's wing, not even allowing him to drive his own line, really until this season. But Sabres fans wanted to give him another try at center because he's a very defensively responsible player, and that's backed up both with just the eye test and as well as his underlying numbers too, like his heat maps. So him then becoming your second-line center just really opens up, I guess, the opportunities for next year for filling out the rest of the roster because if you're looking at a 1-2-3 punch at center of Eichel, Reinhardt, and Cousins, that's really solid. I mean, the best teams the teams who dominate in the playoffs, it's be, every one of them has a dominant center. And if you have that strength going down the middle where it alleviates some of the defensive responsibility and the playmaking responsibility, since all three of your centers are play drivers too, I think that it makes Kevin Adams' offseason significantly easier rather than trying to find a true second-line center if Cousins maybe isn't ready yet. So that's a huge like thing to be excited about, I would say. Excellent. Definitely some more, as you guys are talking about, some more optimism and trying to build upon that depth, like you said, with Cousins, to where you're not just a one-line team, Boston, to where you guys want to actually grow that that depth, to where you don't, it just doesn't have to be Jack Eichel every night. So that's that's good, trying to set up that foundation moving forward, even though you, you're going to have teams that are much better than you, regardless of how this shakes out. So... One last thing before we get to to the big one. Um, reasons to be depressed for next October. <laughs> How much time you got? <laughs> uh, where should we set the the inebi- the inebiation, bre- inebiation meter to? Um, <laughs> so I know this is going to be a lot, but try to try to uh, keep this brief with like just an area or two. Incompetent ownership. Ding ding ding, Pagulia. Yep. Yeah, and then I would add to that, uh, they have a very inexperienced GM who was never an AGM and was never really worked in a front office before. Oh, my goodness. So I think, yeah, Kevin Adams, I mean, although he seems like a good guy that's trying his best, uh, there's a lot lot that he has to prove still. Also, the prospect of them potentially, even though I do think it will finally be the year that happens – uh, we had talked about it a little bit earlier, but they need to trade Rasmus Ristolainen, but they have just refused to for years. And this is he's going into the last year of his contract right now. You know he's not going to resign here, so you need to try and get whatever value you can for him. But there are there have been plenty of reports that ownership has a weird Terry Pagula like loves this guy and just does not want to trade him. And part of me is worried that they keep thinking that you know a new coach somebody will be able to figure this out. But when in reality, if you're 26 years old in the NHL, you've played over 500 games in the NHL, you've already figured it out. Like you are what you are. Guys don't develop much further past that. And so if they the, the prospect of them not getting rid of him is is pretty terrifying and depressing. When you said that 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 uh, he's one of Pagulia's guys, I'm if I may draw from another sport, I'm getting serious Dan Snyder, Reese Hopkins type vibes. 
Like they were so determined to start him as a quarterback where people are telling him, no, no, he's not ready. And you, you're like, no, it's not working. I don't care how much of your boy he is. So, uh, that's, that's a, I say that again, as an outsider, that's a bit terrifying (laughs) that you want to get rid of a guy, but the owner just says, no, no, no. I, I, I know he's good. I've played him on NHL 20 and he's great. Yeah, literally though. So, um, so unfortunately the season hasn't gone your way. Like I said, you were the first one voted off of American Idol and to the Buffalo Sabres, we say game over. All right. I want to thank you guys for, for, uh, for coming on. Um, I like I'll do with every, so as, as I will do with every team, I will give you guys a minute or two to, uh, pimp you know, your podcast or whatever project. So gentlemen, the floor is thine. Yes. Uh, so straight up Sabres, uh, we record every, well, we, release episodes every monday and thursday you can get them you know where wherever you listen to this podcast you can also get our podcast whatever service that might be uh yeah you can expect a lot of uh some some sad talk but also some fun we do some quizzes and you can find us on twitter at straight sabers and on facebook and instagram at straight up sabers i I think i messed up brendan that was beautiful that was just poetic (laughs) thank you uh yes so thank you straight up sabers lads Keep the faith up there, and as Red Green has once said, keep your stick on the ice. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yep, not a problem. And that was Straight Up Sabres joining us here on Game Over as the first one out of the barrel and on the board. Coming up next, we're going to venture to North Jersey after this short break. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa. With over 50 years of sports betting experience, Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. What's up, everybody? This is Taylor and Brendan from Straight Up Sabres of the Hockey Podcast Network. Things are not going very well in Saberland uh, this season or really for the past 10 years or so. However, we here at Straight Up Sabres are so excited to keep bringing you guys the latest Sabres news with everything ranging from interviews with some of your favorite Twitter follows all the way up to former players and everything in between. We have got you covered with your weekly coverage of the Buffalo Sabres. That's right. We got a lot coming up uh, through the rest of the season and into the offseason. Who's going to coach the team next year? Uh, is Kevin Adams going to have a new boss? Will he be a president of hockey operations? Will there be an assistant GM? Are they going to fill out their scouting staff? How many times will I cry next season? Maybe zero. I'm dead inside. Will Jack Eichel be here? Sam Reinhardt going to get extended? You know, all this and more on Straight Up Sabres. Exciting stuff. So make sure you're checking us out wherever you're listening to podcasts and following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Straight Up Sabres and on Twitter at Straight Sabres.
And we are back here on Game Over. Thank you to everyone who's been listening so far. A little bit of a break in the action. So now we are going to get to our second team. Now, being the second team eliminated is not like the first being voted off the island, but everybody kind of has an idea that 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 you that, that you were going to be voted off eventually. Simon only hated you for the worst for one week. So the next guy I'm going to bring on is my Jersey brother from another mother, as I call him. Um, this team was founded in 1982. They have four Stanley Cups to their name. They have been to, I think, five, if I'm correct. I'm going to botch that. They have a... Three. 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 I'm trying to bump you guys up. So they have three Stanley Cups to, to their name. They have quite a lot of names in the rafters including a big number 30 there in in the rafters they come from joyzy ladies and gentlemen the new jersey devils and the man who covers the new jersey devils i have neil joining me from the devil's state of mind podcast neil thank you for joining me man and welcome aboard well thank you very much for that lovely intro there rich uh you know it's, it's a pleasure to be to be on here um Obviously, it would be nice if it was in better circumstances, considering how our season has gone. But you know what? It's still it's still a, a great thing to be on here, and I'm excited to uh, talk some Devils hockey w- w- with your great uh, listeners. All right, and of course, this isn't just my listeners as well. They will be they, of course, your fan base out there in North Jersey as well. So let's get into it. I'm going to ask you the. This is an exit survey podcast, as I've told everyone. If you want a more detailed reason as to why everything went the way that they did, then please check out the the podcast that we are covering. That would be Devil's State of Mind. So, I'm going to ask you, like the kids have said, what happened? Where did it all go wrong with the Devils this season? You know, it's a very... It's a very complicated question because you can point to a lot of different things. Uh, I think number one, uh, we're a very young, painfully young team. Um, especially when we got to the trade deadline, we actually our forward group is younger than some college hockey teams' uh, forward groups. So that shows you how young we really are. Inexperienced, have a lot of kids playing in the NHL, and not just playing in the NHL, but playing really, really high up-tempo minutes. They're playing a lot of minutes per night. They're constantly having to be in the middle of, of all the action. And, you know, that, that was one thing. Another thing was we played a division of death, as I call it. You know, we played in the East Division against so many great teams. Boston, Washington, the Islanders, Pittsburgh. So many great teams. And it, it was just a – and it's difficult when you're only playing them all year long. You're playing them eight times you know, in the season, and it's very, very difficult. Um, and the big, and another big thing is, um, you know, we had we had a COVID outbreak that lasted for 16 days, um, and that was early on in the season. We were actually playing pretty well to begin the year, and I think that the COVID outbreak kind of screwed us up. Uh, some guys really lost the momentum that they had, and really have just never been able to kind of get it all back, uh, especially the likes of Jack Hughes or, or Mackenzie Blackwood. Um, at times, just couldn't get it back. And then lastly, we have new management. We have a new general manager at Tom Fitzgerald. We have a new head coach. Uh, other than Elaine Nazardine, we have all new coaches. And, yeah, I mean, it, a lot of this stuff was new. Everything was 
it was, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the year, it was a, it's going to be a season like no other. And that mm-hmm. was really what this was. And, you know, there was some hope early on in the year, the way we were being very competitive, that, you know what, maybe we could somehow surprise some people. Maybe we could make a run at making the playoffs somehow. But obviously that was uh, a fool's wish, so to speak. Um, and as a result, not only do we not make the playoffs, but we are going to finish towards the bottom of the NHL once again, which is yeah. something that unfortunately Devils fans have grown accustomed to uh, <laughs> for the last many years uh, since the uh, uh, Joshua Harris, David Blitzer ownership group took over uh, about six, seven years ago. So yeah, that's just where we are right now. So that's pretty much the answer as to what happened this year. <laughs> it's, well, at least it's not like when I had Buffalo on before you, when I asked what happened, they said, how long do you got? So, um, <laughs> and, true. and this, this is a little different for me and you because I've seen a lot of your prospects there at um, there in Binghamton. Like I saw Zutterland, Ball, um, Holtz yeah. down there in Binghamton. So um, there, you do have some young prospects knocking on the door, and you are the youngest team in the league. I think the average age is like twenty four. Your forward groups like yeah. twenty four. Your defense, like like of course, uh, PK Subban is the obvious oldest. But um, I think, and we'll get into the optimistic part a little bit, is that, you know, early on in the season, you were taking advantage of Boston's slow start, Pittsburgh's slow start, teams mm-hmm. struggling. And then, you know, what, you had a COVID outbreak. And like you said, once you came back, you're like, all right, let's play everyone. We took them before. Oops, they're better. And it just seemed like right. there, it, it, it was there. And I agree with you that there is potential there. It's not... It, it just unfortunately everybody else was better but at least you weren't the worst team in your own division that belonged to the previous <laughs> team we just talked to so um right so we're going to get into something i call the call of cthulhu trademark pending um to where what player are you going to leave out on the lawn for seattle to come a call in who do you think gets exposed and saved for the expansion draft coming up you know, I'm, I'm probably going to talk about this in greater detail on the Devil's State of Mind podcast uh, within the next couple of weeks, especially when we get a little bit closer to, uh, I believe they are doing the expansion draft on June 2nd, I want to say. Yeah. June 10th. It's somewhere in early June. Yeah. Um, that they're doing. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have more detail on that once we get a little bit closer. But the, the two guys that really kind of stand out to me. Uh, in, well, I mean, there's a couple guys. The, the first guy is P.K. Subban, and the reason is just simply that the man is making $9 million per year, and I know next year is the final year of his contract, but at the same time... Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the U.K. for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21+. plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. 
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa. With over 50 years of sports betting experience, Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. He just hasn't lived up to the expectations that he had when he got here. He has been, for lack of a better term, a massive disappointment on the ice. He has not been a disappointment off the ice. He's been phenomenal. We love the behind-the-scenes stuff, how much he interacts with everybody. Um, I mean, hell, he shared he has shared a couple of things that I've posted on Instagram. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty thankful for that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he would be somebody – that I think Seattle would be interested in from a marketing standpoint that, you know, because he could bring energy and knowing that it's going to be a new place to play pro hockey in Seattle, he could be a guy that could help. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they left him unprotected. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle did not take him because of that $9 million, um, even if it's just for one season. Um, I think most likely, and I mentioned this earlier because I was recording uh, an episode for Double State of Mind earlier today, that I think most likely uh, P.K. Subban will actually be protected by the Devils. I think that's the way I, because of certain situations. But I would probably leave him unprotected. Um, Andreas Janssen, who we acquired in a trade in the offseason from Toronto, I would put on the unprotected list because, again, massive disappointment. Kind of shows you that it seems like to me, the reason that he scored 20 goals and had so much success last year is because he was playing with the likes of Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, Morgan Riley, and that entire Maple Leafs team. Correct. Uh, yes. But he would be a guy I would probably leave unprotected. And as far as the goaltender is concerned, everybody that's not Mackenzie Blackwood. Um, <laughs> once again, we're going to have to go into the market and try to get a veteran goaltender to help Blackwood because, look, we had planned. We had a plan. With, when we when we signed Corey Crawford in the offseason, we signed him to a two-year deal, a guy that could be a really good veteran player. He's won multiple Stanley Cups. He knows what it takes to win. And he made the choice to retire before training camp even really got underway. So we were kind of dealt a bad hand right out of the gate. And Scott Wedgwood, even though he had, you know, everybody was happy that he was back in New Jersey because he had played in New Jersey for a while. And, and some people, including myself, believed that he was going to be the next guy to take over for Marty Brodeur because that was towards the end of his time in the NHL. Um, he just really wasn't it. He had a couple solid games. Hell, he shut out the Bruins in Boston. I get yeah. that. Um, but he had some bad games. Aaron Dell, he just mm. he was no. there. My answer was he was there. <laughs> yeah. Early on in the year, at the couple of games he played early on, I felt like the team just didn't help him out. They just left him out to dry, and that's that's vindicative of how much the defense needs work for this team. Um, so that so there, and I mean we have some young guys, but none of them are really ready to go yet. I mean none of them are really ready to compete to play NHL minutes. So we desperately need to go out and get a veteran goaltender. So I think those goaltenders are going to get uh, unprotected. Um, Andreas Janssen is probably going to be one of them. It's going to be interesting It's because we're going to have to unprotect some really good young guys that have played this year um, that maybe we don't want to have to give up. Uh, um, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, hopefully they pick somebody that we can be okay with letting go. Um, but 
those are just some of the guys that I would want to see unprotected, uh, considering what what has been going on this year. All right. I mean, that's that, that that's quite that's quite a list uh, for such a young team, and I could definitely see Subban um, it'd be a, an option that you would want um, Seattle to take, but in a flat cap year for the next year or two, it just doesn't seem. They, but who knows? They they might if you leave them out there. So um, you know, we're going to move on ahead and we're going to take a look at the draft, um, which is taking place in late June. Um, you know, you guys are all but guaranteed a top three top three pick yet again this year, um, as I learned uh, previously. So um, I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this question out to you that I, I posed to Buffalo. Um, you know, first off, you know who who it's a weaker draft. So what would the, first off, what would the devils be in the market looking for? I think that, well, first of all, I will say this, and I've said this on several episodes. And I'm sure Rich, you probably heard me say it from the last couple of episodes. I really don't care what we end up drafting because <laughs> I'm frankly tired of finishing towards the bottom five of the NHL and constantly being like, by the time we hit December or January, Oh, where are we going to pick? I don't really care. I want to start winning games. Uh, right. But to answer your question, I really don't know where the Devils would really want to go. I think, honestly, if they're in the top five, or let's say they're four or five, I think they go defenseman, and it's probably going to be um, it's probably going to be Luke Hughes. Okay. Uh, I think Look, a lot of Devils fans, we all love Jack Hughes, and mm-hmm. we know how good Quinn Hughes has, has been in the NHL in Vancouver. And you look at Luke Hughes, and, you know, he's also pretty skinny for a guy his age, and that obviously can be a concern, but that can be fixed. Um, but a lot of people would like to see us go after him. Uh, Jesper Wallstead, a goaltender. Uh, okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We have two first-round picks because we got the second one from the New York Islanders in the Kyle Palmieri trade. I think that if the Devils – if Wallstead is still there – later on in that first round, depending on where, you know, that first round pick becomes, because again, it all depends on when do the Islanders finish their season? You know, is it going to be in the, in the, in the teens, the twenties, the late thirties, if they make a long run. Um, I think that's something that they do because I look at it and say, you can never have too many young up and coming goaltenders in your farm system. So I think that that's something that they may keep in mind and mind everybody understand this. Not everybody that you draft ends up getting signed long term. That's right. another thing. You yeah. can draft somebody in the fifth, sixth round, and they may never get a contract. We have guys in our system that don't even have a contract right now. So yeah. I mean, that, that you know, you can only have so many guys signed to entry level deals and be a part of your organization. Um, and I think the the only way the Devils decide to go forward is after somebody in the draft that they feel that can come in and play right away. Right, I mean, a plug the, and play. Because here's the thing: we need help now. I get it. We're trying to build for the future, and I'm all for that. I'm all for it. But we could do that with the other picks in the later rounds that we have. We need to find guy. We need to find impact players now because we need we need guys like Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer to have help offensively. We need guys like defensemen like Ty Smith and Kevin Ball. We need help. We need help with them. We need Mackenzie Blackwood to have a reliable backup goaltender where Blackwood's not forced to play three quarters of the games every year and have to bail us out all the time because we don't have a good enough defense. So the way you're probably going to see us draft 
is drafting for the future, not drafting for the now. Because again, like you mentioned, this is not a loaded draft class. As a matter of fact, some people consider this to be one of the weaker draft classes we've seen over the last 10 years. And it has nothing to do with that these players are not good. A lot of these players are going to be good. Some could be great. Who knows? But the problem is, is that we don't have the opportunity to scout these guys. So we're taking, and not everybody has had to play a boatload of games. So we're just going off of things like that. You know, we already have, we have a lot of, you know, one of the advantages that we have in the draft that nobody else does is that we have multiple players in our system that know and can give us a very good scouting report on some of the top players in the draft. So as I mentioned, Jack Hughes knows his brother Luke better than anybody. We got that advantage. We also have Graham Clark, who is right now playing with Binghamton. His brother, Brent Clark, a defenseman, I might add, mm-hmm. is going to be a top, in my opinion, probably a top 10 pick. And the Devils may go to Graham and say, what can you tell us about Brent? Do you think that he would be a guy that would fit our whole plan here? And, that, and I mean, they're probably going to say yes because it's their brother and they're not going to say no. But still, we have some advantage with that. And again, I will remind Devils fans that, yes, we had three round, three first-round picks last year, and there was rumors that we could trade one of those picks, and it didn't happen. I'm not saying that we're going to do that. We're going to do that again. I'm just saying there's always the possibility that we may not use one of the two first-round picks that we have. Most likely it's going to be whatever the Islanders pick is um, because we may decide to trade to get more picks or there might be a player like in a trade, an impact player, because, again, we have the most cap space in the NHL by a lot. And we have to just spend $17 million next year just to get to the cap floor. So we have no excuse not to not to make not to spend some money this offseason. So I can't I can't really give you a definitive answer and say this is exactly what they're gonna do. Last year was more obvious because of Alexander Holtz and considering where we're gonna finish. Right. I think once we have the draft lottery and we know firmly where we're going to pick, at least in the with our first-round pick, then we can all make a better decision as to what we think the Devils are going to do. But at the end of the day, we won't know until the until Tom Fitzgerald announces who we take with whatever pick we have. Love it. I love hearing stu- uh, stuff like that. And you kind of answered <laughs> one of my follow-up questions was, like, let's say the Devils get the third overall pick. Let's say... Um, Buffalo and Ottawa go one and two, hypothetically, and you guys get the third. Would would uh, New Jersey consider trading out of that third pick to 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 try and get um, some more, another first or another third? But you've kind of answered that, considering that there's nobody in the first round that is an absolute slam dunk, can't miss prospect. No, there isn't, and that's. That's one of the difficult things is that nobody is really tanking for somebody that's supposed to be the savior of a franchise. This is what, like, it reminds me similarly to when Buffalo drafted uh, Rasmus Dahlin back in 2018. Yeah. Dahlin, I, I mean, you could say that Dahlin was the projected number one overall pick, but it wasn't 100% like slamming your fist on the table. Hell, even when the Devils had the first overall pick in 17 and 2019, it was not a guarantee that it was Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes that were going to go number one overall. People were talking about Nolan Patrick. Some people were talking about, you know, it being Capo Caco. Correct, Um, yes. Last year, it was much easier. We all knew it. It was Mm -hmm. Alexis Lafreniere, and that was it. 
Ain't nobody touched Like, there was no way that Alexis Lafreniere was not going to go number one overall. This was like, that was exactly how it was going to go down. Yeah. So in this draft, I think that there is a possibility, but here's the thing. It's going to be for one of two things. Either we get like one or two more first round picks or we can make it, we can get an impact player from somebody else. Like we have to like, and what people ask me, what do I mean by an impact player? I'm talking about somebody who knows what they need to do, whether it's a defenseman or a forward or even a goaltender. It's a guy who know who we know can be consistent, that can perform, and that can do the job that he's brought in here to do. Not somebody with a lot of hype and then ends up being a flop because we've had plenty of those over the last six, seven years. We're not trying to go down that road again. Um, but I don't think the Devils will end up trading down with – their own first round pick i think that they would trade the islanders first round pick because it's not theirs so it's not a big deal right they could trade that and get other picks in the later rounds because one thing that the devils have been good at with their scouting department is finding diamonds in the rough in later rounds jesper brett is a seventh round pick and now he's a top six left winger yegor sharangovich who has been the biggest surprise of the entire season this year was a fifth round pick so you know, Yanni Kokinen was, I think, like a third-round pick. Granted, we didn't draft him. We traded for him. Yeah. But still, we have a good sense of finding good talent in the later rounds. So there might be some players in the later rounds that we go, hey, if we you know get a couple more picks, we may be able to get some of these guys that we really want. There may not be somebody in the, in the first or second round that we're really going off of. But I think if we're going to trade, it's got to be with that second, uh, that, that second first-round pick that we have which we got from the Islanders. I, I think that the Devils, regardless of where they finish in the draft lottery, they're going to end up drafting a player. Excellent. Again, lovely stuff. I love the, the like, the, 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 the I want to say, like, roadmap you've got, like, placed out to where, like, okay, this is where they can go. Um, and I like that, that, that you are seeing what the Islanders pick could be because it could very well between uh, 18 and 31. You don't know what it's going to be until – until late June. So, you know, yeah, you could flip that for like an additional second or third and you know, you're getting like a practical guaranteed top five. So love hearing all that stuff, stuff, Neil, love it. Let's let, let's keep this gravy train going. And so, um, and I know you've probably done this on your podcast plenty of times. So I want, I want you to give devil devil's fans, red and black nation, reasons to be optimistic for next season that's a that's a tough that's a that's a really tough question rich um here's the way i would look at it a couple couple things number one we do have the youngest team in the national hockey league and a lot of these guys like i mentioned before this is the first time that they're playing in the nhl and they're playing some of them a lot of them have been playing top six minutes so they're learning on the job how to play in the nhl against the toughest division of the four. I know some people want to argue that, but in my opinion, it's the toughest division out of the four divisions that we have. And, there's a, and then there's another couple of things. Number one, we're going to have a full 82-game season next year, and we're going to be playing everyone else in the NHL. Correct. So we have a higher probability of having more success next season when we're in a legit regular season. Number two, a lot of these young players that we have, they will now have experience, and they go, okay, this worked, this did not work. Now we got to put it together. We now have Lindy Ruff after his first season. I'm hoping that we make changes to the coaching staff because I think we do because there's some things 
that really, really, really didn't work. Elaine Nazardine needs to go. He's still part of the John Hines uh, system, and I want him gone. And we need to get somebody else in here. And I'm going to th- tell you something, Rich, that I have not told anybody yet, but it is a possible theory of mine. Well, not a theory. This is an idea. Ooh, hack theory. Patrick Love Law. it. Patrick Waugh, okay. one of the greatest goaltenders, not the greatest, not the greatest, because mm-hmm. we have the greatest goaltender to ever play Dang. in the NHL, and nobody can fake that. And his son. Uh, Patrick Waugh, yeah, that's, uh, we, still have, we have his son, and we'll see what he does uh, yes. down the road. If he, but, can make, if he can make saves like he made in his first professional <laughs> game without giving up several goals, yeah. he might have something. Yes. Who knows? Continue. But looking at, look at Patrick Waugh. Patrick Waugh just said like a couple weeks ago that he wants to come back to the NHL coaching. Now, could that be as a head coach? Sure. There's several teams just today, the day that you and I are recording this, that yeah. have already gotten rid of their head coaches. Yep. Tortorella, gone from gone. Columbus. Rick Tockett, gone from Arizona. We still have Seattle, who is still looking for their first head coach, I believe. So there's possibilities there. But I look at it this way. What would happen? If the Devils came to Patrick Waugh, or let's let's throw in a funnier stuff. Marty Berger came to Patrick Waugh and said, mm-hmm. why don't you come to New Jersey and be a assistant coach slash goalie coach for mm. us? Now, the Devils are doing a whole goaltending department. They're actually one of the few teams in the NHL that have done, have created this. Um, Marty Berger and Scott Clemenson, a former Albany Devil, in case yep. uh, you folks want to know about him. Uh, are the heads of this. And I said, when I heard that Patrick Waugh was available as a coach, I said, what the hell, right? Like, what if we had the greatest goaltender and then possibly the second greatest goaltender, both in your coaching system, um, you know, working together? I think that would be not a bad idea. I like throwing out crazy ideas because that's what I do. But I would say from a positivity to kind of go back to what you're saying, the other thing is this. We have to spend $70 million just to get to the cap floor. There is no excuse for us not to spend money. We have a lot of money, and we don't have to necessarily go after free agents, although there are some pretty enticing ones like Gabriel Landeskog. um, Freddie Anderson, I believe, is a free agent. I could be wrong about that, but we'll see. What happens? Uh, Taylor Hall is a free agent, but uh, Devils fans will not touch him with a 10-foot pole. Um, Actually, a a 50-foot pole, let alone a 10. Um, but there's also some possibilities with trades. Uh, there's some there's some trades that we could make to help out some other teams because a lot of teams are going to be in cap hell even when we get to the Seattle expansion draft. And I think we have to give Tom Fitzgerald an opportunity to showcase what he can do. He We have to let him build the team in his image. This is not the Ray Shiro team. This is Tom Fitzgerald's team now. Let's give him an opportunity. And all we can do at the end of the day also is this. Pray to God that Joshua Harris and David Blitzer actually start giving a crap about the New Jersey Devils Hmm. because all they care about is the Philadelphia 76ers who are not even going to make the NBA Finals this year. And I'm a Nets fan, and I don't even care saying that. I don't think they're going to make the NBA Finals. Hmm. They have to come through us, and that's the way I look at it. But Joshua Harris and David Blitzer need to actually start going off of what they said. Joshua Harris said, oh, I want this team to start winning. Well, guess what? You have to spend money at some point to help this team start winning. You have a young team. Help them out. Give them help. That's what I would say. So all of that is as about as positive as I can be and optimistic as I can be. And the fact that right. we're finishing the year on a high note, 
We've won five of our last seven. Uh, we've been playing. We've been winning games and with this young team. Uh, it's good for for team morale. And Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes, man, once he gets help, once he gets a lot of help, and he's got all the tools around him, this dude could put up a hundred points. He's that talented. You've just got to give him an opportunity. And I think the Devils will do everything they can to uh, to help him out, help Nico. To try to get to the best uh, that they possibly can. Excellent, lovely stuff, and um, yeah, that, that that's a lot of uh, optimism you uh, that you put out. I mean, yeah, it's a lot of what ifs, you know, with head coaches and prospects, and um, maybe trying to bring a vet in who could really tie a lot of this youth together. Um, a guy who will who can yeah. go to. Um, he, Shearer, and Hughes and go, young fella, this is how you handle the media. This is how you operate on a power play. This, a glue to bring everything to uh, together. Absolutely. So um, we're going to flip yep. this. We are going to flip the script on that on a, something that I'm probably sure you've, you've talked about on your podcast for several weeks. Reasons yeah. to be depressed heading into next October. Well, number one is Neil. There, bud. Hold on to saying, folks. Technical difficulty here. Let's just see here. Seat of your pants broadcasting at its finest. Here, we will get him back. Let's just uh, do here. He just had to step aside for a second. Probably some internet feed stuff. This is what happens here, folks. You know, let's. Yeah. All right, Neil, you there, bud? Can you hear me? Can you hear me, dude? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Internet. Internet. Internet, okay. or probably some gremlins. Uh. Right. Yeah, we'll just edit that out in post production. So just. Sure. Yeah. You know, reasons to be depressed heading into next October. Okay. Well. Before with the ownership situation, if the ownership if the ownership group decides to tell Tom Fitzgerald you're only spending seventeen million dollars to get to the cap floor and that's it, unless Tom Fitzgerald can pull off some crazy moves, even with that, there isn't that much to expect. Like if we really don't go out and get help in the now for these young guys, it's hard for me to see that this team could get a lot better because you're not uh, you're not giving them a fair opportunity to get better and they have to keep learning on the fly and we don't have a lot of veterans we don't have a lot of guys that know what they need to do we've traded away basically all of our 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 guys and it's it's a very frustrating thing because at the end of the day you got to blame ownership you can't put it on the gm if he's constrained if he's constrained there isn't much you can really do about it so we have to start spending money I know that people say, oh, well, it's good to also have a lot of cash space. Yes, it totally is because we can take advantage of some teams. But when you've had the most cap space or close to the most cap space in the last five, six years, even with the likes of Nico Heischer at one time, Taylor Hall and other guys like that, there's no excuse not to at least try to go out and get some big name guys that make money. You try it with Subban and it didn't work out. But that doesn't mean that every single time you spend money, the guy's going to be a massive flop. That, 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 that's just not how it works. There are guys out there that we know that are proven, talented players. And the reason why 
a guy like Gabriel Landeskog, if he even somehow gets the free agency, it, the reason why he's at the top of my list is that here's the thing. He's the captain of the Colorado Avalanche. He is a guy that can put up 25, possibly 30 goals. He could be a leader both on and off the ice, and he could really help out this young team. And I think that that would be great if we could get him. But again, free agency is different because we have to force these guys to be okay with coming to us. Because a lot of people are going to look at it and go, why would I want to come to New Jersey? Especially, you know, I get it. We have a young team. You know, we're on the rise, so to speak. But we have to show it. We have to show it on the ice that we are moving in the right direction and that we're putting the right pieces in place to get to, get to where we want to be. So that's the thing that I'm pointing at. Um, so, but that's the biggest thing to be negative about is that ownership is going to continue to not do a damn thing and continue to use us as a showcase thing for all their rich owner friends to say, oh, look, we own more than one sports franchise. This is the same ownership group that just tried to buy the New York Mets and nearly did. So that tells you all you need to know about where their priorities are. They're not focused on the team. They're focused on building their own brand. That's basically what it's been. And that's just how it is. But, you know, that's one thing. Right. The other thing is simply this. Well, there's two things. Number one, do the players continue to to listen to Lindy Ruff and continue to believe in what he's trying to do and they build off of it? Or do does it start to fall flat on their face? And I mean, when we were losing 10 games in a row, I don't think any Devils fan was like, oh, I'm really glad that we have Lindy Ruff. And I mean, I've heard some rumors that the Devils are going to be looking for a younger coach within the next year or two, which makes sense because I said when Lindy Ruff was hired, he is a stopgap. He's not the long-term solution. He is a guy that's going to come in for two or three years, help out the young guys, build them up, and when we're getting to the point where we are a cup, you know, eventually a cup contender, we have uh, a younger, you know, head coach that understands the NHL for what it is now, and go from there. A lot of teams have done that. We would not be the first team to do something like that. But I'm worried about does Lindy Ruff's system really work for this team? I don't know. We have to see it in a full 82-game season and when we have everybody that we need to have in place for this. And the last thing is simply this. Mackenzie Blackwood. The last two years, this is only the second full year he's played in the NHL. At the end of the year, he tends to then start to regress a little bit because of the amount of workload that he's had over the last couple of years. We have to. We have to get him veteran help and a goal at the end of, at, before the season begins. I'm not knocking Corey Crawford for that, but I do, I am critical. I mean, it is a little bit unfair to the Devils that they were not given a fair opportunity with this situation. Right, And I'm right. worried about by the time we get to being a cup contender, is Blackwood going to be that main goaltender? And if he's not, well, then we better hope that somebody else is. And I'm just worried about us not doing what we need to do. So all this comes back to, Rich, it all comes back to this. Right. Will ownership give a crap or will they not? Will it be the same thing next this offseason like it was last year or for several years? Or are we actually going to start to do something and actually show the fans that we're trying to win hockey games and we're trying to be relevant? Right. That's the only, that's the biggest thing I'm, I'm negative about is that I just because they they haven't shown me before. I don't think ownership is going to be as aggressive as they may try to appear 
and say that they're going to try to be this offseason. You know, the one thing I've noticed with both teams that we, we've done on this podcast with you and the Sabres is ownership. That a lot of these teams' problems start at the top. The Pagulias and your ownership group just seems more interested in having cigar buddies than building a team in a way. And, you know, that's, you know, some fa- fan bases that are blessed with good ownership you don't really realize how good you have it till you have an owner who just doesn't really like give a crap and drawing off of another. Um, um, I didn't, I didn't feel this with you as I did with Buffalo, but you know, I was feeling a little bit like Dan Snyder vibes there with the, with the wolf skins there in DC, but you know, it's not like the owners are pushing a certain player for the devils, but you know, that's just a theme I've seen with the past two teams as well. So um so it right. it was a long season for you boys in North Jersey and you know unfortunately it ended for some maybe where you thought it was going to and to the New Jersey Devils we say game over and that and that was it for the game over for the New Jersey Devils so Neil before we get you out of here I will do this with everyone I will give you a minute or two to pimp or promote of course your podcast or whatever projects you're working on so neil my friend the board is thine well thank you rich for having me on uh, again it's, it's a great pleasure to be on here um you can actually check me out on the devil state of mind podcast like like rich mentioned uh host you know the, the host of the new jersey devils we talk all things devils hockey so much fun sometimes not so much but, you know, we try to uh, be as realistic as possible. You can check us out wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, either search the Hockey Pod Network and look up and you'll see Devil State of Mind. Or you can search Devil State of Mind Podcast and you'll find it where, like I mentioned, wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Devil State, Instagram at Devil State of Mind, and on Facebook, Devil State of Mind Podcast. And on my personal account, you can follow me on Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W. Instagram at NVPQB11. And also, especially when the season gets underway, make sure to check me out on Hockey TV, where myself and my good friend Jimmy Finizzi, we broadcast the Jersey Shore Whalers Junior Hockey Team, which is based out of Wall, New Jersey, a little bit down south, actually where former New Jersey Devil, uh, well-known Jim Dowd, actually uh, is from and he actually now owns the teams uh, that's kind of a exciting thing to mention is there but rich again it was a pleasure to come on here and uh i look forward to coming on again down the road hey man uh the the door is always open to you man you know i i've i we we talked about this in the green room beforehand i love the energy that you bring because it measures mine and of course as we recorded on here i know the season didn't end the you know the way you guys wanted but um, thank you to you and Straight Up Sabres for coming on. That'll do it for the first episode of Game Over. Next time on Game Over, we will travel to the Great White North and take off, eh? As we will take on our first Canadian team there in the Great White North. And then after that, we will travel to Southern Ohio, where they just jettisoned their coach at the time of this recording. My name's Richard Blosser for Neil Brendan and Taylor as well. And as Red Green has said, keep your stick on the ice. We'll catch you next time.
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa. With over 50 years of sports betting experience, Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.